Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a podcast where we bring leaders from different domains in technology, product, sales, marketing, finance, etc. to share their insights in how to build and scale great companies. I'm Vani Kola, Managing Director of Kalari Capital and your host. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Behind the Scenes with Divya, who's co-founder of Byju's. Divya has been a teacher since 21 years old and she is a dynamic person who has been integral part of Byju's growth and success. Welcome Divya, thank you for taking the time to share your learnings and insights with the startup ecosystem. It's a pleasure to be here, Vani. Divya, you have uh, been a teacher and now you are co-founder, tech entrepreneur of one of the most tracked companies in tech in India. So share with us a little bit about this, uh, what this journey was for you becoming from a teacher to an entrepreneur. Yeah, so actually I was 21 when I started teaching. I was very young. Uh, you know, I still teach today. It was the first role for me. Uh, the one that I closely hold to my heart because I think the impact it creates is like none another, like apart from a doctor, right? So being a teacher first, I think has helped uh, me understand the pulse of our students, which in turn, I think has positively influenced, impacted, and also helped shape the product in a way. So it's not just me, uh, all of us at the core team who joined in as teachers first, who were students before that, helped us understand the need that we were trying to solve very, very clearly. And we understood that to really impact the way students learn, we need to start early. Uh, we need to enable younger children to become active learners, to make them love learning. And we also realized that children will learn only when they want to learn, not when they have to learn. So if we can create a learning environment, if we can create an experience for them where they like learning, they enjoy learning, then you have them actually coming back to it again and again and again, much like a game that they really like. So that's crucial to bring back the childlike curiosity that eventually gets lost. Uh, so we managed to integrate all of these avenues through the right blend of, I think, research pedagogy. And uh, we also leverage technology to enable access. Uh, to allow personalization, to also create an enjoyable learning experience to every, for every child. So through movie-like videos, through gamified content, and also to solve access at scale, you know, the smartphones really helped. 70% of our youth have access to a smartphone. So I think it's very important that we were able to uh, be brave enough to constantly disrupt ourselves. Uh, prior to 2015, we were 100% services, 100% offline. Today, we are 100% product, we're 100% offline. So we've, we've, while we've been fixed on our mission of making children love learning, we've been flexible on its execution. So I think that's been really important. Also, uh, you know, technology can really solve access. We've seen that, we've used that as an enabler uh, because as you go younger, you see that students are more and more digital natives. They, they learning from a screen is almost native. It's almost intuitive to them. They learn their first numbers, everything from that. So I, I think, you know, the, the whole idea is give, uh, you know, be a content company at core, being an education company at core, but using technology as an enabler is what worked for us. Today, we have 60 million students learning with us across the country. But I think what's important to note is uh, we are actually at a tipping point in education today because of the pandemic, as, a, as unfortunate as it is. Uh, we saw, uh, we got 40 million uh, new students on our platform in the first four years and 20 million in the last four months. So I think that actually shows 
uh, the kind of ad increased adoption, a paradigm shift in the way all stakeholders in education, be it parents, be it children, be it teachers, be it institutions, are all warming up to online learning, understanding the impact of online learning in our country. And I think I'm, you know, very fortunate to be part of a segment which is of so much positive relevance in times like these. And Divya, with that massive scale that you have seen, right, what can you share in terms of advice and ideas with others on customer retention? So I think brand advocacy is, is the most important thing. Uh, we've always been on the on the side of the students. So uh, whatever we've done, we've always done in a way that the end consumer enjoys uh, and enjoys doing it. And see, EdTech is actually, there is no playbook for success. Uh, it's a new segment. In a way, we're creating our own path. And our approach has always been based on first principles, especially since this was a relatively non-existent segment a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, and what is happening to education today and edtech today is something which did not happen in decades is actually happening in months and weeks uh, so i think we've been we've been constantly innovating uh, like i mentioned before going you know being brave enough to go from a, disrupting yourself becoming a completely different model positively uh, making it even better so for for us at byju's i think it's been a clear case of passion intersecting with need uh, we wanted to address a core need in society. We had our directions uh, set right. Being We were flexible in execution. Uh, so the, the foundation of the brand, I think, exists on the fact and rests on the fact, like you rightly said, that our students love us. So while, while you know, we have, uh, we are profitable and we are valued and probably some people call us the world's most uh, valuable edtech company and all of that. But, you know, the two numbers that we closely really track are the time a student spends on the app and the renewals. Because one shows engagement, which, uh, which is about 71 minutes per session, which went up to 100 minutes during the lockdown. And the second, which is renewals, is uh, we are at 85% annual renewal. So that really shows the effectiveness. Otherwise, they won't go for it again and again and again. So I think being very, uh, being very uh, focused on your end consumer, having students on your side, uh, making sure that they love what you give them and tracking the numbers that really matter, which is retention, like you rightly said, and uh, and renewal. These two things, I think, uh, are what have helped us. And, and then, you know, how do you go about building a team when, uh, you know, tomorrow is such a different company than what it is today? Yeah, oh, I, I think the team is really one of the most important components of any strong company. In fact, uh, so the core team at Baiju's has been very organically built. Uh, into the system for over a decade. So the first eight to 10 people were all students of Baiju's and we, we are all here even today. So I think having a team that, tro that truly feels, uh, understands the brand is an intangible ingredient for success. Mm -hmm. And if you get the formula right on the top, right in the top management, it trickles down to every level at ease. So, and, and what we always say is, you know, it's easy to start a mission driven company, but it's very hard to start stay mission driven. Mm. So the single core purpose uh, makes students love learning. Unified all our teams by a common thread, motivated them, uh, you know, go ahead, put your best step forward. And I think what makes the team stay focused at all time is the realization that they're creating an impact. 
right mm-hmm. education is something that is close to all of us it's it's in fact the only way for most of us to make it big in life now mm-hmm. skills can be taught but but the kind of drive and the passion to make a difference in the sectors what we predominantly uh, look for and that's easy to achieve in education mm-hmm. so i'll give you an example because you know we're all in the covid times uh, our operations during the covid 19 pandemic kind of indicates a kind of unified Uh, drive we all possessed as a team with millions of students as per unesco reports 1.2 1.3 billion students were out of school right they've been impacted across the globe uh, because of the temporary closure of schools so our teams beside i know despite working from home for the first time ever worked harder than ever before to kind of you know make sure that learning is seamless for kids uh we we constantly disrupted ourselves we uh, made our classes completely free Uh, we witnessed massive surge in the adoption of our learning program so like i told you we saw 20 million new students uh, just in the last uh, four months everybody worked harder than ever uh, to meet the demand and ensure that students receive the highest quality of learning so we had planned a lot of launches later this year like uh, live classes and all of that but we accelerated the launch because what students were missing was the kind of regularity that the school gives where you know you go at a stipulated time uh you miss and you miss learning from teachers especially during times like this so we launched the live classes in matter of weeks and the teams turned it around in no time at all so uh and we also launched in various vernacular languages so that we could go deeper into the country that's always been priority for us we also launched additional subjects uh, like social studies and all of that so i think uh, that that is the thing right managing to uh, accomplish all of this even though your teams are working remotely away but also together uh, i think shows the dedication and love everybody has for the job that they do earlier divya you talked about brand advocacy hmm. can you demystify unpack what is brand advocacy i think the foundation that uh, the brand the 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 future of the brand uh, depends on the fact that children love us so i think a word of mouth popularity has been the biggest differentiator uh, this is all because the product has genuinely managed to solve a problem in the lives of students so i think the focus therefore is to be continuously ensuring that you're able to deliver a product of exceptional uh, quality and uh, service so i think that's that's basically what i meant by uh, brand advocacy brand love uh you know so i, I mean even like it's 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 an it was an external study but uh, i think what what we were very happy to see was a kind of so we had we had tracked our paid user nps it was at 76 so i think you know we were all so happy to see that because we feel that these are the numbers which really drive us every day when when a student says that you know maybe a chi- maybe a student who is living in kashmir who called us one day and affected by school closures well before covid is able to continue learning be- uh, you know because of us A, a girl in Kesur, Gujarat, who is unable to go to school uh, because of uh, safety reasons, is able to continue learning from home because of us. When her mother calls and tells you that, you know, if I had a product like this, and uh, I would have been something else in life, I think, I think these are the kind of little, 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 uh, you know, steps. But which comes together, it creates a bigger impact. That's what I mean by brand love and brand advocacy. Now that's uh, beautiful, and clearly we talked about teams. and uh, follow on to that is what is a leadership trait that you really value in uh, uh, others and uh, what is a leadership trait founders need to have so especially startups then right if you're talking about i think the most important 
would be resilience. I think because there are so many challenges that will be thrown your way, ups and downs that will be hurdled at you. I mean, we all read about the big wins. Nobody writes about the little losses, but it's important that those little failures are there so that you, you know, you fail fast and you win big. And I think this is important because when you, uh, and, and, it's, and I think resilience is so important because when you hit a roadblock, you don't give up, uh, you persist you be at it till you get it right so that's one and i would also say that you know it's when you're a, when you're an early stage founder when you're a uh, when you're a founder along with any purpose driven organization teamwork i think is the organization's backbone so creating a spirit of intrapreneurship so that people are willing to try new things be brave learn from mistakes and i think it's about building that sense of ownership in more and more people in your team so that they're all ready to come and take this company to be their own i'm going to ask you a different question now divya you're co-founder of a large company that too with your husband you know and most of the time it's really difficult to make that work but you both have done this so successfully. So what is it? How does it uh, work? Uh, would you recommend this to others? What's easy? What's hard? So I think the most important thing is mutual respect. Uh, we have a lot of it uh, for each other. Uh, that being said, I think opposites attract is a notion that is promoted a lot in movies and on, on screen. But in real life, I think having like-minded people, both in your team, uh, as well in your as well as in your life is a great asset. So I think this is one of the reasons why we work so well together. We're driven by the same goal, uh, the same passion to impact the lives of uh, students around the world. And apart from work, our our entire universe is centered around our son. So I think you know when when you have your uh, your missions aligned, your goals aligned, your passions aligned, it it just works out. Now, congratulations, by the way, to sort of being that power couple, not just from success, but also in showing that you uh, can keep it together at uh, work and at home. I think it'll act as a great catalyst and a great example for many others. And, you know, along those lines, success has come to both of you very, very young. What's your advice on dealing with that? See, I think for anybody, right, the minute you think you're successful, the game is over. I believe we have a really long way to go. We've just started. Okay, so, I mean, we've just touched 3% of the student population. I mean, there is so much to do and there's so much in this space for so many more people to do, especially right now. So I think the minute success gets to your head, it's it's all over. I, I strongly believe I have a really long way to go. Both of us do that. I think it's a very uh, relative phenomenon. Uh, following your passion will be always more rewarding in more than one way. And I think starting young has definitely been an advantage. I've had the opportunity to experience, learn so much more. So I think... Uh, of knowing that I'm following my passion, uh, knowing that I'm happy at the end of each day, that I'm creating an impact uh, to help students learn better. I think that's what keeps me grounded and focused. So That's great. And uh, um, how do you uh, think we can improve number of women in uh, startups and, uh, you know, in the co-founder role? Because, uh, and I, I always believe that one person's success paves the way for many others to walk the road. So no doubt your success will pave the way for others. But how can we bring more women into leadership roles in our startup ecosystem? So I think uh, 
actually uh, the whole concept of having diversity in an organization is no more a fem feminist notion it's a corporate agenda and i think a lot of organizations are cognizant of this uh, they're trying to build uh, more women into leadership roles especially why i say so much about leadership roles is i believe that we don't have enough women mentors out there mm -hmm. so you know when in media uh, or anywhere when when we talk so many more women see us and they say hey even i can do this because if you look at the statistics half of the women leave during uh, mid 30s that's that's where i am right now and and even though you know say 25% of them join back i think another 40% leave within 3 mm -hmm. months so it's it's just that you know they probably don't have enough motivation uh, uh, to keep them going so i think having enough one having enough women mentors out there in top roles really helps and that's that's a dual advantage because one you inspire more people and i think too within the role itself uh, there are enough studies which show that women like or are tend to surround themselves with more women so it's called the queen bee myth i've read about it and and it says that you know you're more likely to hire uh, uh, women in other leadership roles to support you if you're a woman leader yourself so that is something i think can and and if you take care of this beginning on right because this is not a problem a startup should solve later after 4 years 5 years when when diversity is an issue and you have very skewed ratios i think this if it's looked upon during inception if you have a good uh, healthy representation of women in the leadership in your board in your top management uh, it it becomes much easier to get the ball of diversity rolling throughout your organization so i think that's very very important apart from that i think the mentors even at home be it your mother your mother in law your sister in law your sister every other woman around you is a mentor to you so i think the kind of mentorship which comes from them the support they give you and all the men too because I, nothing can be ever achieved alone and a woman's confidence comes so much from her as it comes from the people who influence her so she believes that she can do it uh, it's because there are so many other people who believe in her so i think it, it it's a combination of both work as well as home now i think that's beautifully put and uh, i know you have been very generous in willingness to contribute from to that inspiration and mentorship so i'm sure in the next decade we'll see you know uh, many many more successful women in the startup ecosystem and i'm personally looking forward to that it's kind of like a uh, deja vu because i started my journey what three decades ago or something uh, so it's really personally very Uh, uplifting for me and inspiring and happy moment that we both are having this conversation and i want to end divya asking you uh, you know the pandemic the pressures the stress that's out there what is how do you see india opportunity for startups uh, you know despite obviously the economic downturn and all of that yeah so uh, if you actually think about it startups launched during a downturn tend to be far more durable and resilient than those which have started in a better economic state i mean if you look at the previous financial crisis as well since every crisis creates so many challenges and there are enough problems to be solved and enough opportunities and scope for new ideas so uh, just to give you an example right there were more than 50 unicorns created globally immediately after the last financial crisis and if i talk about edtech itself there is so much to do especially because i think uh, you know the kind of awareness which uh, the pandemic has created as unfortunate as the situation has been has put edtech in the spotlight 
there is so much scope for us to change uh, the way in which students learn, the way in which uh, make it easier for teachers to teach, help schools come online. Because the future of learning today, and I'm talking about edtech because that's that's the segment I'm from. Uh, I think the, the future of learning is neither going to be hundred percent online, it's neither going to be hundred percent offline. It's going to be blended. So uh, there is so much scope to make the entire experience better. There's place for so many people to come in and create an impact because there is a paradigm shift in the mindset of all the stakeholders. So I think there is no better time than now. If you really want to do something, if, if you know, if, if you're very passionate about what you want to do, I think, I think this is the right time to do it because like I said before, a business cannot be driven just by the passion to make money. The passion to change society is far more important and any, any idea will work if you're addressing a need. And especially if you're a tech company, you can solve any problem at scale. So I think, uh, yeah, that's that's what I would like to say about anybody who wants to start a company right now, because I think this is the right time to start because there's so many problems to solve. Awesome. Thank you so much, Divya, for joining us today on this episode. Thank you so much, Vani. It was a pleasure talking to you.